Hello and welcome to Parkinson's Pathway Pals Tuesdays with Teresa. I'm Teresa Jackson, your podcast host. Today I have three special guests with me from the Parkinson's Foundation and first up we have Amasi Kume. Amasi is the Director of Research Partnerships at the Parkinson's Foundation and is responsible for cultivating industry partnerships designed to leverage data sets, data assets, and increase investments in the Foundation's flagship clinical programs such as PD Generation and the Parkinson's Outcome Project. I also have with me today Komalini Ghosh, who is the Associate Director of Clinical Research at the Parkinson's Foundation. She's been with the Foundation for a year, but she has been working in clinical research for six years. She received her Master of Science in Drug Discovery and Development from Drexel University in 2019 and was a lead research associate on a pharmaceutical drug trial for Parkinson's disease prior to joining the foundation. Currently, she is the lead on PD Generation, the foundation's national initiative to provide genetic testing and counseling to people living with PD. I also have with me today, Francesca Vila, and she's the national director of fundraising events at the Parkinson's Foundation. She oversees the Parkinson's Champions Program. Champions come from across the country to raise funds and awareness for the Parkinson's Foundation. Their creative ideas and local community outreach allow the foundation to extend their reach within the Parkinson's community. Welcome, ladies. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. You know, I've worked with Francesca um, as I developed my own upcoming fundraiser event, which is right across Virginia. And with it being April being Parkinson's Awareness Month, um, I'll be starting in South Hill, Virginia on April 22nd. I'm gonna ride my bicycle all the way up to Winchester, Virginia, ending on April 26th. And um, my goal is $25,000 and I've worked with Jessica um, quite a bit on that initiative. But today I really wanna focus on PD generation. So let's uh, tee that up with somebody tell me, what is PD generation? So PD Generation is the Parkinson's Foundation's national initiative, um, and it's a research study. So what we're doing is we're offering genetic testing and genetic counseling for anyone who has a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease um, in the hopes of really using the data that we collect to push Parkinson's research forward. And when you say push it forward, you know, the first thing that someone that's living with Parkinson's, such as myself, the first thing they think of is, you know, how is this or is this connected to a cure or even a better treatment? Can you um, can you address that as well? Definitely. So it's kind of interesting because genetics, even though it's very individualized, tells us a lot about diseases and disorders in general. And so I always like to give um, kind of an example, not really related to Parkinson's, but there used to be a runner named Jim Fix. He was an active runner, kind of coined the father of, uh, you know, like the you know, um, gym movement in the United States, you know, was an active runner and very, very fit. However, he ended up passing away pretty young um, at the age 52 and no one really ever knew why. And so after doing genetic testing, um, they found out that he had very high cholesterol and one gene that relates to that high cholesterol. Using that one gene that they found, they figured out how to create the drug Lipitor, which is a drug that's used extremely heavily and people live long lives with high cholesterol now because of that. And I think that 
just shows the power of genetics. So our goal in PD generation is to learn about the genetics in Parkinson's disease and then see how we can use that to create better therapeutics, more successful clinical trials, and then hopefully one day in the future, find a cure using that. I think that's really important because as I sit here with someone that does, you know, that lives with Parkinson's on the daily, um, I think beyond just what is genetic testing, and we can talk a little bit about what is genetic testing, but I think, you know, I think that sort of is a great segue into what, you know, what would you say to someone that might be listening that thinks, you know, I don't know that I want to know that I have it because then I think it might put my children at risk. And so I am afraid. Um, so what would you say to that person that's listening that may be hesitant to participate in such a uh, clinical trial or such a, not, uh, maybe not a clinical trial, but such a, you know, a program? Yeah, I definitely think learning more about genetics could be scary because genetics connects us to our past and our future. But I think the big message here is that um, hopefully using this data that we're collecting and the genetics um, will provide a better living situation for your children in the future or for just generations in the future who are, um, you know, living with Parkinson's disease. It'll provide us an avenue that we've never looked at before in order to look at better drug treatments, you know, just in general, um, better therapy for, and the way clinicians will even look at Parkinson's in general. So I'm, I'm hoping it'll provide a little bit of um, support and insight into our research, into our clinical care, and hopefully a cure in the future. You know, I think that's an important piece. Um, everyone wants a cure, obviously. And I, I think cures come uh, with Parkinson's disease will come in different forms. I don't think it's going to be like cancer necessarily that you haven't. Now you don't have it. You know, you have a treatment. You don't you no longer have it. It may come in the form of, um, you know, better treatment. And I think for someone that's living with Parkinson's, that's struggling with their daily activities, if there was a drug that was developed that kept your symptoms at bay, and um, you didn't have to choose between being a stone or being a flailing, you know, arm and leg person because you have to have so much medication to make you move that it, it's counter, almost counterproductive. So I think that that's a strong message as to why people should consider um, PD generation. It's interesting to me, I, I get this question a lot and people that are not familiar with uh, Parkinson's in, in general, think that it's automatically just a genetic or a familial. So if you have it, then your child is necessarily, is, is definitely, you know, at risk. And, and the things that I read, and you can confirm this if, uh, if you would, but I read that about 10%, maybe it's up to 15% of people with PD have some form of genetic, um, you know, predisposition of the disease. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So in literature right now, it's about 10% of the uh, people living with Parkinson's disease have a genetic component. Um, and through this study, our population is looking at about 12%. So it's pretty similar to what's in literature right now. So the, you know, the majority of the people tend to not have a genetic component. Maybe it's environmental or a mix of genes and environment. So um, hopefully with research coming into play, we'll be able to figure out is it more genetics-based? Is it more environment-based? Is it a mix? So that's also something that researchers are currently looking at. Yeah, I lived in, a, in an area growing up in Arkansas that, you know, they spray soybeans. They spray their fields of, um, of, of plants. And I would sit on what was called a spray rig. So it's a tractor with a row of seats and we would spray 
you know, the, the crops. And at the time we did not know that it was bad. And so you would just inhale it. We didn't wear masks or anything. So, um, so certainly there are other things besides genetics that cause and create us to um, develop Parkinson's. So let's uh, pivot just a little bit and talk about, I know you have several goals for PD generation, but if you wouldn't mind just talking about your top three goals, maybe of, of what you're looking to accomplish with, with this. Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of our first goals is to provide genetic testing as easily accessible and as broadly accessible to as many people as possible with Parkinson's disease. And the reason that um, we want to do this is because I like to consider Parkinson's disease almost like a fingerprint. So every individualized person has elements to that fingerprint. So when they were diagnosed, the certain symptoms that they have, um, how they're experiencing their symptoms now versus maybe, you know, two years ago, what treatments they're doing, all of that makes up a fingerprint and it's very individualized. And a part of that fingerprint that we don't know, or a lot of people don't know is the genetics portion. And so being able to provide insight into that fingerprint just a little bit, I think is a huge goal for PD generation. We wanna be able to give um, individuals the autonomy to know how their fingerprint fits into their own lives. Um, so that's one of our goals, make it as easily accessible as possible and provide it to as many people as possible. Our second goal is by collecting a lot of this data, being able to provide this data to people who know where the knowledge gaps are you know, for Parkinson's disease research. So taking a lot of this genetics data, filling it into these cracks and holes that we aren't aware of, they're kind of these empty spaces. We wanna fill them in with data and with research and knowledge. And so that's another goal. So collecting this data and using it to fill in these knowledge gaps for Parkinson's disease research. And our th third goal is using that to accelerate clinical research forward. In order for a treatment of any kind to be, you know, easily accessible to the public. It has to go through rigorous research um, called clinical research or clinical trials. And so our goal is by having a better understanding at the baseline, we'll be able to have more successful trials in the future, which means you know shorter timelines for getting drugs on the market um, and to the public. So I'd say those are our three goals. Okay. Um, you know, as you're talking and we're, we're talking about gene, um, PD gene related things, I, it, it occurred to me, I get this question a lot. Do we know what the percentage of increase is? If someone has a, a gene, what is the percentage um, increase for their family member, like a, you know, a child of developing the disease later on in life? So it's actually, that's a quite, um, it's a bit of a tricky question because there are certain genes out there that we're looking at called GBA and LERC2. Those genes are um, heavily researched in Parkinson's disease. And so we know the inheritance patterns for those. We know how likely is it for, um, you know, the gene variant to get passed on. But then there are other genes that we look at that are extremely rare in research that we might not even know the inheritance patterns for, such as VPS35. And that's another one that we're looking at in this you know, PD generation panel. Um, and we're gonna use the research that we're collecting to maybe figure out those inheritance patterns. So it's a very tricky um, dynamic and dichotomy between what we know and what we don't know yet. So, and that's something that the genetic counseling portion will really come into play. So instead of just giving you your test results back and kind of leaving it up to you to figure out, okay, what does a positive in GVA even mean? Um, we're bringing in genetic counselors who are 
certified within Parkinson's disease genetics. So they'll have a full discussion with our participants to let them know, you know, what is the percentage? How likely is it? What could the changes be? So I think that's where the genetic counseling portion is so key. So it's a tricky question because I don't know the exact percentage, but the genetic counselors will be able to discuss all of that. So it sounds to me like even if I had the gene or someone that's listening has the gene and they pass it on to their child, that that uh, child does not necessarily have any more risk than the 10% of what, um, you know, anyone else that has it would develop. Is that correct? I, I think so. Um, I'm not 100% sure about that, to be quite honest. Uh, I don't know too much that's of the okay. numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. It's a, it's a complicated, you know, it it's is complicated. complicated. <laughs> and I think that's why this research is so imperative because it is the it is complicated you think about cancer and the organs in uh, the organs other than the brain we seem to have made progress as a uh, medical society or a medical um, you know profession but the brain is so complicated so it's very difficult but that does lead me right into the next um, the next question and that's how does PD generation differ from other tests when you when you're talking about genetic testing Sure. Yeah. So PD generation is one of the most comprehensive genetic tests out there for Parkinson's disease. Um, there are a lot of tests out there that test maybe one or two or three genes, um, but we're currently testing seven genes. So we tried to include as many genes as possible, as many variants as possible to allow the opportunity to just learn more. Uh, so we are one of the most comprehensive panels currently. Yes. Yeah, just what I was just thinking. It sounds very comprehensive. I even wrote that word down. Very, very comprehensive. Um, so I know that there's someone out there thinking, okay, I hear that it's what we need to do for research. I'm in on helping learn more so that it may lead to eventually a cure or to better treatment, or it, at the very least, better understanding of how uh, Parkinson's is developed. So if they would like to participate in PD generation, um, what would be the next step for them? And are there any age requirements or restrictions? Yeah, so we are looking for um, anyone who's over the age of 18 who has a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. That's just our age criteria. But then in order to sign up, um, there's a couple different avenues. So we do on our website, we have a couple uh, sites that we call them that are doing the testing in the clinic. So there are a couple sites such as Columbia University, Northwestern, and just all across the country. Um, there's sites where you can go into the clinic and see a clinician and do it in person. But because of COVID and everything that's gone on, we did have to shift our mentality and really bring in the telemed version too. So we brought in a version where you'll meet with an individual over Zoom. You'll do the, the buckle swab kit, which is just cheek cell swab kit. That's how we're collecting the DNA online at your house. Um, and then everything will be virtual. So it actually, the virtual method made it a lot easier for participants to participate from a lot of different areas. So it's all on the website. Um, otherwise, we can help you sign up by calling either our helpline or emailing us at genetics at parkinson.org. That's a good way to connect straight to the research team. Um, and we can kind of help you figure out what's the best avenue for you. So if they're calling in, um, they would just dial in to the helpline. I believe that's 1-800-4-PD-INFO. Correct. And yep. ask for someone from the team of PD Generation. Yeah, so the, the helpline is actually wonderful because they are trained to sign up participants anyway. So if you call the helpline and let them know that you want to sign up for PD Generation, they'll actually be able to do it right there for you. 
So I, I read something about centers of excellence. What if you don't live close to a center of excellence? Has telemed helped that or is it, uh, it doesn't matter one way or the other? It actually helped it a lot. Um, so having a telemed version of this allowed us to reach areas that we've never reached before. And some exciting news is that we did, um, based off of this telemed version, we have at least one participant in all 50 states in the U.S., which was a huge goal for us. So that was really great to see that this telemed version is really allowing us to expand our horizons and reach as many people as possible. So um, it definitely does help. So even if you aren't located near a center of excellence, uh, you can definitely um, be a part of this study. So we can try to get you enrolled either at a center of excellence or just virtually. That's great information. What if someone is out there and they're thinking, well, I don't have PD, but my mom, dad, grandmother, grandfather, or whatever, um, can I participate? So right now, um, just solely based off of our funding, we are only able to recruit participants who have a confirmed diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Um, it, it's just kind of how our funding works right now, but we're really hoping in the future that we'll be able to expand upon that. And I'm actually gonna lead it into a Masi to um, also touch upon this as well. All right, great, thank you. Thank you, Kamalini. Um, so as Kamalini mentioned, unfortunately, through the foundation, um, if you do not have a confirmed uh, diagnosis of Parkinson's, um, we are unable to test you through PD generation. However, if you are a family member or a loved one, um, a, a, someone who does have Parkinson's and you're interested in um, genetic testing, um, there is a test that's currently on the market, Picture PD Aware. Um, it's this, the, the test uses the same uh, powers that the PD generation test uh, uses as well. It examines all seven genes associated with the development of Parkinson's disease. Um, and through this test, um, what's really um, great is that Fulgent uh, Genetics, who uh, which is the company we work with that powers um, our PD generation test, um, all proceeds um, coming from a fraction of the proceeds coming from the picture PD aware test um, comes back to the Parkinson's Foundation for us to then um, put it back into um, continuing to find um, free genetic testing to people with Parkinson's. Okay, very good. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about funding, but I have some other questions, but maybe this is a good time to talk about that. Um, can you expand on how it's actually funded and is there a cost to the patient? Absolutely. So at this time for um, PD generation, it's completely free to um, all participants with Parkinson's. Um, the test itself um, we are able to fund it through uh, financial and in-kind support, which currently comes from the Parkinson's community um, that the foundation represents. So specifically individuals whose lives have been touched by Parkinson's, industry partners. Um, I'm very excited to announce that we are currently um, partnered with Biogen and Sanofi. And then in addition to that, um, other nonprofit organizations who we um, collaborate with as, in addition to that. You know, that's why I'm doing my ride is I, I feel like any money that can be raised um, will be money that will go toward that. And that's why I chose the Parkinson's Foundation. It, I want this particular amount of money to go toward research. But if someone else wanted it to go toward education, like you guys really do have a broad spectrum of how people are 
the resources that you provide to people. And so I think that that is fundamental in helping people have better quality lives and then reaching toward a cure uh, as fast as we certainly can. Um, I think my next set of questions, I'm not sure who these go to, but um, it's really about what happens to my results. Um, you know, people are leery of anytime you're taking personal information or maybe not leery, that may not be the right word, but they, uh, they do wanna know and be informed on where's my information going, who has my DNA, um, you know, what, how, how does that, um, how is it housed, all those types of questions. So is, can somebody answer that for me? Yes, definitely. <laughs> So for right now, um, PD generation is storing two forms of data and we're storing, storing, sorry, storing them separately. So first, anything that could identify you. So name, email, we need that information for our genetic counselors to contact you and make it a more personal conversation. But that's always stored in-house at the Parkinson's Foundation um, and only shared with our genetic counselors. And then there's a separate form of data, which is your genetics report and your genetic data that will always be stored at our laboratory, Fulgen Genetics, de-identified. So nothing identifiable will be stored with your actual sample. And that allows us to create a large enough gap to hopefully prevent any sort of um, invasion of privacy, breach of confidentiality, anything like that. So we are taking measures to eliminate that as best as possible. And then from the other perspective, um, we are going to be sharing this de-identified data with researchers and scientists who are doing cutting-edge Parkinson's research. But again, they'll always be getting the de-identified version of things. And the way that we are going to gatekeep this data is any individual researcher or a research institution, if they want to use the data for their own research, they have to provide us with a protocol or some sort of documentation of who are they, why do they need our data, um, you know, what is their own research project. Project, why do they need to fuel our data to fuel it? And we actually have a steering committee built out. Um, there are nine movement disorder clinicians from across the country who have come together to basically review these, these proposals that come through. And they'll, eat, they'll be tasked at either stating, yes, this is appropriate, let's pass along our de-identified data, or absolutely not, this is inappropriate, we will not be passing along our data. So we do have checks and balances in place to make sure that we are keeping the data secure and that it's actually going to the correct and authorized people. I think one thing that comes to mind um is that some people may be concerned about, well, if my insurance gets a hold of this information, what will it do to my, you know, my insurance cost, the cost of insurance to me, or if my employer got a hold of that information. So I think that's, um, you know, a valid concern for anyone, but it sounds like you guys certainly have it under control as to how that um, information is protected. All right. Um, just thinking quickly, um, I, I'm, I think I'm about through most of my questions. Do you guys have anything in particular that um, you think it's really important that we would want to share with the audience? I may have missed something. So if I did, please, this is a great time to shorten. Sure. Yeah. 
I think um, one of the the most interesting things is currently to date, we have about 3,600 participants um, who went through genetic testing through PD generation. And that's a large amount of participants. And actually um, in clinical research in general, that is kind of unheard of. So we really are feeling that the, you know, people living with Parkinson's disease are finding this study to be very easy to be a part of, um, enough to want to continue to be a part of and refer their friends and family. And so it's really nice to see this whole community come together and want to push research forward, especially to this large degree. Um, so we're really thankful because we're able to actually see progress being made where, you know, maybe four years ago, no one would have gotten genetic testing for Parkinson's. So we really are seeing it being pushed forward, which um, as a researcher myself, it's wonderful to see, to see so many people come together and want to push forward the same goal. Uh, so we just wanted to thank the Parkinson's community in general for even believing in this research study and wanting to push forward, um, you know, Parkinson's disease research. That's great. Anyone else have anything we need to add before we close today? <clears throat> no, I do just want to oh. say, Teresa, on behalf of the Parkinson's Foundation, we wanted to thank you so much for bringing awareness to our PD generation study, but also for raising funds that will go directly to funding things like PD generation. I know that you're setting off on a 300 mile bike ride uh, this week. So yeah, thank you for Friday. taking, yep. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for taking just a few minutes to talk to us before you start stretching and getting on the bike. Uh, it means so much to the Parkinson's Foundation to have advocates that are not only spreading awareness, but are also raising significant funds that we will be able to use to hopefully find a cure. So from all of us, thank you. Well, I appreciate that. I do so very much. Um, I want people to know that, you know, asking for money is not in my wheelhouse, um, but people are just incredible at supporting. I'm getting um, money from, uh, not me, but it's going direct. I want to make sure people understand it goes direct to the Parkinson's Foundation, um, but people are donating that I don't even necessarily know. And I think that's just a really cool thing. Right now we're at $14,474, which is 58% of our goals. So if anyone's interested in um, donating, they can always reach out to the Parkinson's Foundation. But if you would like to donate to my particular one, um, you can go to www.parkinson.org backslash go to backslash 300 Teresa. Or again, if you need any information at all from the Parkinson's Foundation to include these um, fundraisers, you can call the helpline at 1-800-4PD-INFO, I-N-F-O. And, um, you know, I think we're gonna find a cure in my lifetime. I'm just convinced. Thank you so much for having us. This was wonderful. And good luck with your bike ride. That's truly an amazing feat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope we uh, I hope we make it good. But my cycle tra cyclist trainer says um, that I'm going to. So I know one thing: I have a lot of uh, perseverance, and I think that and some little dose of tenacity has certainly helped me in my own, um, you know, ability to live well with Parkinson's. So I uh, just want to thank all three of you and I certainly want to thank our listeners today for listening and don't forget to subscribe and I'll see you Tuesday.